Hi all, thank you for coming back. We had a wonderful time back in our first section learning all the ways we could positively impact our rising sea of plastic. To continue our first section, we had the wonderful opportunity to interview the director of the Cincinnati Zoo and Botanical Garden, Thane Maynard. Hello, and thank you for meeting with us. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. For the podcast, we wanted to ask your opinions and thoughts in regards to plastic conservation. We went over what the zoo is doing for countermeasures, why, and how the people can be involved. Okay, so now our first question is, uh, why did the zoo first start implementing practices to reduce its plastic? Well, you know, the Cincinnati Zoo reaches a very broad audience, uh, principally from our region, but we also draw from other places as well, since we've had baby Fiona, et cetera. But prior to the pandemic, we were the biggest attraction in the city of Cincinnati, the biggest annual attraction in Hamilton County. And of course, we still are this year because major sports aren't even operating with fans. So uh, it's a big opportunity and a big responsibility. And what we found over the years is when we share what we do for sustainability at the zoo and explain that not only it's the right thing to do and you can save uh, water, save energy, or reduce your pollution and your waste, uh, it also saves money. And many people are certainly eager for that. Uh, but mostly it's a way to reach the general visitor to the zoo who might not already ever have thought of that and explain ways that it can work. A, a real good example is aluminum cans. Our zoo, together with other zoos in the AZA, which is the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, especially with uh, aquariums, uh, talked Pepsi, who owns the brand Aquafina, into getting rid of their bottles and going instead with aluminum cans. And that's a really neat thing because aluminum, of course, is uh, relatively simple to manufacture and very simple to recycle. And plastic is not. Plastic, uh, there's not really a market for it. And as you all know, it can literally live on nearly forever. So uh, that was a neat example of kind of a market-driven solution that there's enough attendance at zoos and aquariums that Pepsi and Cincinnati Zoo sells Pepsi products. Uh, Pepsi was willing to say, well, we'll go with cans. And of course, it's not a new thing. Uh, LaCroix and other uh, flavored bubbly waters have been in cans for a long time, but it was the first time I saw just regular water in a can, but it's sort of one step at a time. So our second question is, what are some encouraging stories in regards to plastic pollution that give you hope? Well, you know, the awareness of all these things really seems to be growing. And the more that that word gets out, the more it will become something that's a people's general knowledge. So often with conservation issues, even if they're huge ones like climate change um, or endangered species, or in this case, pollution and how do we stop it? You know, early on, it's sort of a fringe thing that only people who really keep up with topics like that might know about, maybe even people in the industry that handles waste. Uh, but eventually, more and more information starts to get out into general magazines, general websites, news services, et cetera. And people start to be concerned. You know, the scary part about plastics though is it is literally everywhere. And some of that's in the form of you have like the big old gallon milk jug, but all this stuff about microplastics. Every year I go on a canoe trip in North Florida on a really pristine river called the Swanee River. It runs out of Okefenokee Swamp in Georgia all the way to the Gulf. It's a very slow river. It's an undeveloped river. There's no industry on it. There's probably some cow poop in it, but other than that, it's pretty sweet. But every year we see scientists there from the University of Florida, and they're doing studies on microplastics in that water. 
And as you know, you can't see it, you can't taste it. And yet when we talk to them, they say it's a big issue and it's in there. And you have to think good grief, if it's in the Suwannee River, imagine how much is in the Ohio River. So, uh, and of course we drink the Ohio River here in Cincinnati. So I think when we can explain to folks that there's our own self-interest in being more thoughtful about how people use plastics, some of that really is an individual choice, right? What, what products you buy, what packaging you buy, what clothes you buy, et cetera. Um, but also there are other bigger choices around industry and chemicals and the use of chemicals. Um, but the more we make people aware of it in a broad way, I think the more that it'll be um, really thought about. And to me, the big message always around conservation, uh, whether it is you know, saving endangered species like the comeback of the eagle and the peregrine falcon, or is talking about really tough issues like climate change, it's in our own best interest to try to handle these things. We don't wanna just pretend that everything's okay. We just need to do things smarter. So my question is, what are some of the biggest barriers to implementing plastic reducing policies at the zoo? Well, some of the things that we've been able to do are really easy. A number of years ago, we stopped uh, using bags of any kind in our gift shops. Uh, first, it was plastic bags because of the very issue we're talking about. But eventually we decided to just save money and not even use paper bags. And that way folks, if they are in a group and they buy a couple different things, they can take turns, just carry them or relatively inexpensively, they can buy a cloth bag that they could reuse here in the grocery and anywhere else. Um, and that's just a sweet little example. I know you've seen it a lot of places of reinforcing behavior change that if it's not available, you just have to think about it. And the more you think about it, eventually you carry a bag, you know, in your purse or your knapsack or whatever. So you're, you're prepared to do it. You know, harder issues for the zoo are to try to solve things that can either be expensive or difficult. Uh, for instance, we have a commitment to work toward zero waste over the next five years. Um, that's zero waste of tap water down the drain. We use a lot of rainwater, as I think, you know, we capture it underground. Zero waste of uh, energy, we are currently about 25% of our electricity is generated by the solar panels in the parking lot and around the zoo grounds. We're working to put a great, big, huge solar array up at our farm in Warren County, which would counteract any of the use here. But the challenging one is other literal waste. That can be uh, animal poop and bedding and leftover food from animals, but more difficult is anything that's post-consumer from humans to keep that separate and how do you properly have to what degree trash has to go one place but then to the other if it's compostable how do we do that we're working toward as we build our new elephant barn that will open in 2024 we hope that will have a great big containerized composting system built into it and anything that's organic waste it could be you know newspaper garden clippings animal poop leftover food from the restaurant all those things would be very easily compostable in there the challenging part is how do you separate that out? Well, what's the one thing that really screws up a composting system and that's plastic. So if people put um, diapers in there that are you know, made out of plastic or plastic bottles or other things like that, you know, they are not ever gonna break down in that composting system. So we've got to try to do our best to figure out how to reduce that plastic here and then keep it out of that system. So for our listeners who have maybe been inspired or want to start their journey to plastic reduction, um, what advice do you have for them? You know, 
we can't bite off everything all in one big bite. I'm sure people have heard the old story about how did the cavemen eat the woolly mammoth? And the answer was one bite at a time. But that is a good symbol when you're trying to live a more sustainable life. Taking small steps can go a long way toward that. Where do we waste a lot of plastic in our daily lives? Certainly packaging. Uh, at the zoo, because we buy a lot of some things, we've worked with our suppliers to whether it's we're buying you know, tons of rolls of toilet paper or tons of bags of animal feed to not have them packaged in a way where it wastes a lot of plastic, either wrapping it or up or sealing it up but instead we could get it um, with just frankly with less packaging. And the same thing's true. Sometimes you have that choice when you're at the store, you're shopping online. I do not know why, but some products still come with so darn much packaging. You, you need you know, a utility knife to cut your way in to get the thing out. Um, I recently bought a new battery for a battery operated you know, DeWalt tool, like you know, it goes on your drill or whatever. Goodness gracious, this thing was sealed up in this plastic deal. I don't even know why uh, it would need to have that at all, uh, but certainly that much, because it's not like it's anti-theft. It was just pain in the neck. That said, I did buy it. So, you know, nothing's perfect. You make, you make your choices one at a time. But the more you can try to reduce those uses of plastic bottles, and as we said, reuse ones that you have. A sweet thing we've done at the zoo over the last few years as we've replaced our water fountains we have water fountains, but they also have a bottle filling station with it. And as you know, many people your age and even many people your parents' age uh, carry, you know, Nalgene bottles and those kinds of bottles uh, that they can reuse and refill. And that's a great use. And same thing with plastic cups or reusable coffee cups. At the zoo, some things that we've done and we're continuing to, to try, it, it's hard with the general public, but for instance, at Hops, which is our newest food court area, it's up where we have the beer garden, they are using reusable um, flatware, you know, stainless steel forks, stainless steel food plates. They actually look like the same plates you feed uh, the cats in our cat house. Um, those, you know, they can wash in the dishwasher and reuse. When we don't use those, if it's a super busy day and we can't keep them clean fast enough, we use compostable uh, containers that are more or less dense cardboard rather than a styrofoam container or a plastic container. Um, and same thing, it, it's a ways off, but we use a lot of compostable forks and spoons and things like that. When we have our compostable system, those would break down fine. If you just stuck them in your backyard in your little compost heap, it would take a while for them to break down, but they would compared to a plastic fork. The plastic fork could be there 25 years from now and these things would probably not be there in two years. So another good way to help with this whole problem is to talk to people, to spread the word about plastic as a whole. What is a good way for a person to do that? Well, you know, I think that the biggest opportunity that everybody involved with conservation, whether it's protecting nature and wild areas, whether it's big issues like climate change, whether it's how we reduce our own waste, um, the more positive we can be, the better, I would say, because if you jump right into lots and lots of bad news, it is a little bit off-putting if people aren't already up to speed with this. And then a little bit, it might come across as bossy or preachy. Like, did you know you're doing the wrong thing and you don't know what you're doing? You know, that's a, the worst sales pitch ever. Um, I think better is when we can try to describe, wow, here are simple things we can do that actually are a pretty big help. They don't cost anymore. They're really not hard. They're just as easy. And cumulatively, they'd have a big impact. 
Um, I don't know all these numbers off the top of my head, but man alive, when you hear about the actual numbers of plastic bottles that Americans go through, it's just mind boggling. There's 330 million Americans and the number is something in the billions and billions of bottles that we go through every year. Um, and hardly anybody wakes up in the morning and says, you know what I wanna do? I wanna drink a bunch of stuff out of single use plastic bottles. But just in the passage of your day, if you aren't real conscious about it, that's what you end up doing. I think, especially with people that aren't already on board to this, the more you can be positive and give practical solutions and point out that it can make a difference to people. Well, nobody wants a world where even pristine rivers are full of miniature plastic. I mean, the whole thing's just crazy. So we have to get better at figuring out how to control that so that we're doing the right thing and not the wrong thing. I think that the way forward on so many environmental and conservation issues is we just have to be smarter about what we're doing rather than just pretending that it's the same as it was you know, in the 18th century when we didn't know anything about these issues. But we do know about them now and we have to find ways step by step to get there. You know, Depending on people's proclivity, you might among yourselves know someone um, or others who are so into it, they might wanna major in chemistry in college and work on these issues because I strongly believe the 21st century, there will be lots of jobs around how to clean up the messes we've made, how to restore ecosystems and bring back forests that have been cleared, how to mitigate um, climate change issues. And we're gonna need people that are smarter at it. We're gonna need people, as you said, who are good at telling the story about it. To me, the fun thing when I heard you're doing a series of podcasts is you better be careful what you wish for because 37 years ago, I started a little radio show called The 90 Second Naturalist and somehow it just keeps going. So uh, you might be doing podcasts, you know, when you have kids. So uh, what are you doing to educate people um, about this issue? Well, certainly public education, reaching the general public, also working with more formal groups like school groups, et cetera, zoo teens, et cetera. Um, you know, that's really our strong suit. Zoos are extremely popular, not just in Cincinnati, though I do say we are a zoo town, that's for sure. Pittsburgh's a football town, by the way, we're a zoo town. But um, in every town that has a zoo, they're a very popular way to reach folks. And certainly the message of thinking more about what we use and trying to waste less. That can be waste less food, waste less resources in how we live our lives, waste less resources is an important thing. What we found good fortune with is rather than telling people, oh, you know, you're doing it wrong and you're wasting resources, instead explaining what has worked for us we're very fortunate to be recognized nationally as the greenest zoo in America. And that's because we've gone from being the biggest user and biggest waster of tap water in the whole metropolitan sewer district 14 years ago. But once we hired a civil engineer and he looked at it, he said, I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of broken pipes around here because if you turned on the water full blast, you couldn't use this much. But by going into our systems, looking at them saying, how do we do this better? We now save a ton of money that we can reinvest in the zoo in other ways. And we use basically rainwater for 90% of what we needed water for here. You know, all our, all our um, waterfalls, moats, and swimming pools for animals are rainwater. And a lot of our irrigation is as well. Um, and similarly with energy, by upgrading our systems, we did it smarter and we wasted less. Sometimes being a role model is a great way to do it. You know, one way to maybe persuade your parents or your grandparents uh, especially dads are always known to be thrifty. I'm a very thrifty person. Well, 
conservation at its basis is using and wasting less stuff. So some of the reducing use of plastic is just buying less stuff made out of plastic, you know, less polyester clothing. Uh, the darn stuff never wears out, right? And as we said, less packaging. You know, they say reuse, right? So that can be a piece too. And uh, you can always sell it to your dad that saves money. I'm also pretty thrifty, Thane. I have not had to buy a new bag of like Ziplocs for probably a year and a half because I reuse exactly. my Ziploc bags until they're practically unrecognizable. Yeah. I bought the good ones, the heavy duty, like, you know, quart yeah. size, thick plastic ones. I, I mean, I mainly use Pyrex dishes and stuff, but yeah, there's, yeah. there's a need for a Ziploc from time to time. But, um, but I'm the one who will also after lunch be like, are you going to throw that Ziploc away? Cause I'll <laughs> take it home if you don't need it. Wash it out. Yeah. And, uh, it is yeah, true. A lot are... of things that are meant to be single use can be easily reused. Um, yeah. I don't know if this helps, but a thing that we use at our house is we have some waxed cloth and it happens that it's checkered, but it's got a lot of heavy wax in it, you can tell. And so you'll have a bowl and there's leftover rice and you just, it has to be covered, otherwise it'll all dry out. I'm not kidding, these plastics, they're not plastic, these cloth cotton squares with wax, they conform to it, just right on it and it works fine. And we've used them for years. so. Uh, it seems like a kind of funny and easy alternative. Yeah, some, some of that's just thinking of another way to do it. Uh, or like you said, uh, glass bowls as well are, are good too. For you guys, what are some of the best ways you've found to talk to people and to get through to people for, in relation to plastic? Well, you know, at the zoo, our sort of working motto is that we're here to inspire every visitor with wildlife every day. And I know that's something that the zoo teen program works directly toward, because I've seen you do that. Rather than let somebody walk by and they might even look a little bored, but you know, instead say, gosh, do you know this amazing information or this amazing fact? Um, people often really can be brought into a conversation if you share something that's actually pretty interesting with them. Um, my radio show, which some of you might've heard, uh, tries to do that. You know, In a minute and a half, it tries to share um, a bite-sized portion of the big picture, a little bit of an aha, kind of did you know. Um, and because it's brief, it has a way, I think, of capturing people's attention a little bit. So certainly that idea of inviting people into a conversation, um, you know, a great example, and this has been true for a long, long time, but it's uh, even truer now as climate change literally heats up the world. You know, if we were down by our polar bears, and one of the zoo teens was talking, you know, loudly and telling people what's going on. And they said, gosh, you know, the Arctic's melting and it's because you have your light bulbs on and, and it's all your fault and polar bears are dying. And that's a hard way to get a crowd. Now, nothing in that sentence is not right, right? It is true that these lights, well, these, I guess, are 25% run on solar, but that means 75% they're run on coal. So yes, that's part of the problem. but Starting with you're a problem and everything's dying is a terrible way to get people engaged. Instead, you can share some of the very same information if there's also the opportunity to say, which is true, uh, you know, the Cincinnati Zoo is directly involved with polar bear conservation, polar bear research. We have a leading scientist in our cruise center, Dr. Erin Curry, uh, who's an endocrinologist and she works with other zoos, measuring everything from reproductive hormone levels to all sort of other uh, activity levels that are measured in some of their 
uh, in the samples that they get, she gets uh, poop from all of the female polar bears in North American zoos, it's sent to her. Um, and she studies that. Well, if you start to talk to people about poop, you'll have their attention. and They'll be like, what? And then you can explain that's, that's what scientists do. You know, they're not always taking blood. They, a lot of times use poop or uh, urine. There's an old saying in grad school, it's all in a plop, it's all in a drop. And, you know, that's what they have to get to measure things. So it's just a way to start a conversation that seems more sort of fascinating than accusatory. Um, well, I guess I just want to say from all of us that we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and um, especially you, Molly, for helping us and helping us um, make this more of a zoo endorsed thing because we're really excited about it. Yeah, well, thank you for doing it. You know, it is a big opportunity. People love this zoo and this year, especially with the pandemic, boy, people are glad to be back. And so it's a great time to invite them. I've sometimes heard that zoos are the on-ramp to conservation. And the way to do that is not to say, oh, listen, lady, you should be supporting conservation. Will you give $100? The way to do it is to get her to fall in love with what's going on in the natural world. For instance, our pollinator program that's really taken wings, as they say, is just a great way to get people directly involved in their own yard. You know, you don't have to imagine, oh, gosh, I've got to plant all summer long. It's this big thing. It's going to cost a thousand bucks. I mean, you can just plant a couple of milkweed plants and I promise something's going to happen by the end of the summer. So uh, there's a way for people to experience it. Thank you again for being here and letting us ask you some questions about this. Um, it's been great to talk with you. Uh, well, it's been fun to be here. Thank you guys. I'll see you at the zoo. <laughs>